Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. talked to the guys yesterday you know just said like it's gonna get you know ugly dirty weird creative we need everybody you know what i mean um at a time where we have been saying you know every game is important that, that doesn't change and just the personnel is a little bit different so everyone goes through it it's been a weird time that we've kind of hit the injury bug all at once between pitchers and position players um but it's an opportunity for everyone to step up and you know everyone knows how important each game is that's yeah, gonna get weird ugly that was John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, ahead of tonight's game. Game two of the what? What are you laughing at? The three-game series. The, what? What did I do? Three-game series against it's gonna the, get weird, the Washington Nationals. Sounds like Jeff. <laughs> I don't just tell you what they is what they said. I just a messenger. Yeah, don't, don't kill the message. Boffo, I would, I, Mark Boffo, I would suggest that you tread very carefully today and don't put a foot wrong today, if you know what I mean. Oh, boy. Uh, it is Blair and Barker. What? And uh, game two of this big three-game game three series against the Washington Nationals. Uh, Things just went so much more smoothly when you were on vacation. Uh the Jays coming off their uh, big 6-3 win last night. Now they only have to go to 10-1 and one in the next 11 games to meet Buck Martinez's uh, standard of going 12-3 and three over 15 games. Uh, John Schneider talking about the yeah. shortstop situation today. I the news is that Bo Bichette has gone on the IL, this time with a quad injury. And uh, Mason McCoy was called up, and I could give you... Lots of detail in Mason McCoy, but the simple fact of the matter is I've never heard of the guy and I haven't seen him it's play. It's still a base so. late in the game. I, I, I think if you, <laughs> when you asked me the question, some question you asked me yesterday yeah. about who might get called up, and I said they're calling somebody up who could steal a base yeah. late in games. I couldn't tell you who that was. Well, now you know. Yeah. It's almost like I did some asking around. That he would have to get on mm -hmm. base, though. Or I guess he could Not, be used as a pinch runner. Are you, boy? <laughs> Circling wagons. Yeah, which... When a team can't get a hit with runners in scoring, I would I would, I would assume if Kirky was to hit a single to right, seventeen hopper to the right fielder, he's the one running the eighth inning. That'd be my guess. All right. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What is today? August 29th. All day, Barker. All day. August 29th. If I would have said to you when we were when I was in spring training and you were here. And I was talking to Keep you. Rubbing it in. Rubbing I, it said, in. I said August 29th. Right. The lineup's going to be like this. Okay. David Snyder will be hitting second for your Toronto Blue Jays. Ernie Clement will be playing shortstop, hitting seventh. Mm -hmm. Santiago Espinal will be playing third. Mm -hmm. Danny Jansen will be hitting cleanup. Mm -hmm. What would you say to me? I would say, when are we meeting at the uh, Cracker Barrel in Bradenton for breakfast? Because it'd have to be a spring training game. 
The Jays lineup today is as follows. George Springer leading off. Davis Schneider hitting second. The Babe hitting second. Mm. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Jr. hitting third. Danny Jansen cleanup. Whit Merrifield fifth. Alejandro Kirk DHing. Ernie Clement at shortstop. Santiago Espinal at third. Kevin Kiermeyer in center field on the mound. Jose mm-hmm. Berrios for the Jays as they take on the Washington Nationals. 707 first pitch. Right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet. Kevin Franson is going to join us in a few minutes. He's a Nationals TV analyst. Uh, he is also an MLB network radio analyst. Ross Atkins, executive vice president and general yeah. manager of the Blue Jays, joins us at 530. Mark DeRosa, MLB network analyst, who is the manager of Team USA at uh, <clears throat> the World Baseball Classic, is scheduled to join us at 6 o'clock as well. And uh, we do have Nats and Jays tickets to give away which we will do in the 6 o'clock hour. And I just killed my headphone here. There, I got it back. Uh, 6-3 last night, Mr. Barker. I know that we did Blue Jays talk, and, and, and we talked about, uh, obviously we talked about, about the game. Uh, good points. Great night from the bullpen, which really probably isn't, no shouldn't be that much of a surprise anymore. Not anymore? Two out RBI. Four of the six runs came with two outs. Clutch hitting. By your Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I think that's the, the, the whenever you're getting, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're getting the two out knock with somebody standing at second base or hit a double with a guy standing at first with two outs, it's sort of a backbreaker to that pitcher, right? He thinks he because if he makes one little more good pitch that he could get out of that inning without giving up a run and then you string together some hits that way <clears throat> and you quite frankly take a pit, the, the, the pressure off a staff that, quite frankly, has been sort of in that crunch mode all season of having to always make the perfect pitch. And I think that's a big deal, right? It's it's Vladdy sort of looking. I'm okay with him from now on going one for four with two RBIs. I'm okay with oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, he had three non-competitive at-bats yesterday. Like, it's, it's getting to the point where if he gets one and he can be on time and have good separation and – you know, have a level swing and catch it out front. And that was a two-run double the middle you're talking the, about in the yeah, second Yeah, think inning. up the middle the other way, mm. you know, <clears throat> with the level swing, give himself a halfway decent chance to hit a baseball hard in the air. You'll take the one for fours, right? <clears throat> He's just, for me, I, I think it's a combination of not having a sound approach, not getting a good pitch to hit. There's a big difference between those two things <clears throat> and the mechanical issue that he's had basically all season of just being connected when the foot starts the hands got to start and for whatever reason the mind's not telling him to do that and it's in parts and when it's in parts the barrel's playing catch up the hands are out and around the ball is on the ground to the pull side now it is nice because we get to talk about it's 113 miles an hour but it is on the ground it's on the pull side so yeah, I'm, I'm okay with again. I mean, I think you take this in small sample sizes here, right? You know, you don't get greedy this time of the year. I just don't think all of a sudden <clears throat> Vladdy's going to turn it around, be three for four with two homers every single night. It's not going to happen that way. So if he can get the one big hit, you know what? Though, no Ke- matter where it's at, he's you're okay almost with that. He, he's. <clears throat> I mean, he almost has to. Getting to that point where he, there's he, no, no Chapman, no Bichette, you you think it's getting slim. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, we, and, we joked a little bit about the lineup, but it's and John Snyder even joked a little bit where it's getting to the point where it's sort of a revolving door left side of the infield to some guys get back and Yeah, and let's be clear, you know, I it's awfully hard to um 
I, it's awfully hard to compensate for the loss of Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman. Well, I mean, it is getting to the point. Right. The schedule. We talked about the schedule. Buck Martinez has came out and said 12 and 3 in the next 15. <clears throat> right? They're going to have to go 10 and 1 in the next 11 games to be 12 and 3. But they are playing some really bad teams. They're playing the worst teams in baseball. Like it gives Four you four worst pitching staffs in it baseball. It gives you an opportunity to do without your third baseman, your shortstop, right. and be able to win some six to three, five to two, four to one games because your pitching staff right. and your bullpen is really, really good. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Kevin Gossman before uh, before uh, Kevin Francis uh, Franson joins us. Uh, last night, Kevin Gossman got his two hundredth uh, strikeout. <laughs> And lasted five innings. It was one nothing, eleven pitches into the game, and I was sitting there. And I've said this earlier about Kevin Gossman, and you know I don't know if there's anything to back it up analytically. Probably not, but it's just what what the eyes tell me. I almost think more of Kevin Gossman when he's scuffling, and when I see him pitch the way he did last night, and give that type of, you know, five-inning performance. I almost think more of him when I see that than seven very clean and efficient innings. And Yeah. I, you know, obviously, you'd rather have seven clean and efficient especially innings. Especially when you don't have your main guys available right. coming out of the pen. But, man, I, you, you know. Want some good innings. And, and I, I, want, I want you to, to, uh, to repeat something you said in Blue Jays' talk because it, it, I found it really interesting. I know people, uh, people were watching the telecast last night. Pete Walker was on during the game, and uh, Dan and Buck were talking to him about Kevin Gossman, and he said, we're trying to get the split to carry the zone. Yep. Right? Yep. A little more. Mm-hmm. But at the end, and, and your point was also that with Kevin Gossman, when his fastball has a lot of run, the hitters realize that, and it makes it easier for them to, to lay off up, to the lay split off, finger. To lay off the split finger. Pitch counts go up. <laughs> Talk about carrying the zone, though, because because you made it, it was interesting. I think people would be interested to hear it because yeah, it, yeah. It, what, what do you mean when you say carry the zone? Well, well the, the Nationals have really good play coverage. They got a bunch of young guys who can hit velocity. You, when you have young guys who can hit velocity, you got to basically that means you want it to break later. You need to have better extension. And if everybody listened to Kevin after the game, he was talking about his mechanics were a little bit all over the place and he was falling off to the first base side. And when you don't finish that, if you notice his fastball starts to run, look like a two-seamer. If I'm hitting off of that and I'm starting to see that run, well, I know his split finger's not running, so I know that's a fastball. And now all of a sudden I can tell the difference between the split finger and the four-seamer. He wants both of those to be straight, right? One has a little ride to it. Look, right. you know, the optics of that fastball has where it looks like it has a little elevation Rise. to it. Obviously, right. it doesn't, but it looks that way because it's carrying longer. It has good velocity to it. It has good, he does mechanically has good extension to it. His mechanics look the same, right? His finish looks the same. That would in turn have his split finger tunnel longer, break later, be harder for the hitter to tell the difference between the fastball and the split finger. And obviously the big mile per hour between the two are enough that you're going to get swing and miss out of it. If you don't, you're only getting 15 whiffs, 16 called strikes, 20 pitches per inning. Mm -hmm. You face six batters in the first and the fifth inning. You face 24 batters through five innings. That's what that is, right? He just needs to be better at that. Yeah. Pitched a lot though. 
but we talked about the Nationals coming into uh, coming into uh, the series. Um, they were twenty five and sixteen since the All Star break, going into last night's game. Uh, as Mr. Barker said, they've got a lot of plate coverage. They don't strike out a great deal. No. They are they're pesky, and they they put on they put a tough at bat on you. Kevin Franson is a Nationals TV analyst. He's also uh, MLB Network radio analyst. He joins us from the booth at the Rogers Center. Kevin, thanks so much for joining Kevin Barker and me today. Uh, we What's tr- up, boys? Hey, we're doing we're doing well. Listen, uh, you pay particular attention to the National League East. How how close are the Nationals to being a factor in that division? Now, look, obviously the Atlanta Braves are really good. The Mets are. The Mets, the Phillies went to the World right. Series. But how close do you think the Nationals think they are to being a factor in that race? Well, I, I think it's uh, – they're in a good place, right? <laughs> I think they're they're really far off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because you can't just, you know, because you go on a little run here doesn't mean that you're back in it. The, the, the Braves and the Phillies right now are so far it, – it, the talent's a little different right now, right? Like you could understand the the you know you're trying to build up that that spot to get to that depth to get to that uh, same roster makeup that both those teams have. Um, but they're in a good spot. I think they would say they were a little bit ahead of where they thought they would be at this point. I mean, you're already you know five six games above where you were last year to end it, which is huge, right? In, in a rebuild. And so many people in this game and around the game are like, oh, great, so you're not going to lose 100. When you lose 107 games, you want to see improvement the next year. And we've seen a lot of improvement over here with Washington and the young kids and in particular. But at the end of the day, when you're trying to chase for you know playoff spots or you know to get back into the East in the next couple of years, there's a lot you got to have because <laughs> – uh, the Braves aren't going anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. the Phillies aren't going anywhere. It's kind of interesting to see how they've they've built this whole thing because they're all young. Yeah, Kevin, forget about the pitching. Uh, every every team, especially rebuilding teams, obviously oh, yeah. we know they need depth. They need quality starting right. pitching. You need a shutdown closer. Like, forget about that. Is there one position, everyday guy, that sort of, if they start there, you would think everything else would sort of fall in place? Yeah, you know what? Uh, when C.J. Abrams came into this year, there's a lot of questions, I think. You know, because of he played in 120 minor league games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing, you know, dealing with COVID and then, uh, you know, the COVID year, they lose it. Uh, injured the next year. Kind of rushed up to the big leagues with the Padres, but he was a big part of that whole thing. So, I would say the shortstop. You're always going to build up the middle, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like when you've seen the growth, like this is – being around the game long enough, like I feel like I could say, you know, oh yeah, I've been around. No, but I've I've watched so much baseball over the years. I haven't seen a kid really grow as much as he has throughout a season. Uh, now it's going to be up to him for obviously to what he does next year, right? And I feel like that's a part of it. Where when you look at it as the Nationals building this whole thing, you have a shortstop out there that's a stud. Well, what does he do that next year? You know what I mean? Like, what does? How does he respond? You know, to the overall growth that he's had. Does he get better? And I feel like there's going to be a lot of growth there. Um, you know, he, staying up the middle, Dylan Cruz, uh, James Wood, two guys obviously yeah. in the minor leagues, but Dylan Cruz is number two overall pick. He'll be a factor, right? So you look at the middle part of the field, and you're going, okay, I see, I see that there's a lot of things there, and the depth is there, especially in the outfield. But again, 
you're far way off and because you, you those kids are now going to have to have an opportunity in the big leagues at some point in the next year or two to actually start to prove themselves and i feel like that's why you can't sit there and say they're you know if i, I feel like realistically you can't sit there and say oh yeah we're we're, we're right there we know we're, we're close to the Braves. you're not until those guys start proving it that's the i mean that's the the ceiling right now is to see you know to to get to uh that level, right, to get to the, the Braves level, the Phillies level. Yeah, now, Kevin, some would say that the National League is a little top-heavy, right? It right. doesn't have the depth right. that the American League has. And if you look in the East, which I'm sure you have, the Mets, huh, like they're having some issues. Right. It might be a little while, right? And you, if you're the Nationals, the front office there, you were thinking maybe if we add a Matt Chapman, I'm just throwing that out there, you know, right. veteran guy who could play some defense, you know, you're controlling things on the left side of the infield, which is a big deal. If you got some left-handed starters on the mound, some guys who are trying to find their way. I, I just wonder if the Mets have sort of hurried this up. I know organizations, we have GMs on this show all the time. They'll say just the opposite. We don't worry about, you know, teams in our division. But you sort of might have to pay attention to the Mets, right? If they're not going to be good maybe until 25, maybe this yeah. hurries it up a little. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, again, what they proved that this year is that you, like, I love, I actually love what Colton did and and going out and buying some guys and and you know trying to uh, will it there because um, you appreciate that, right? Like you would appreciate that for ownership doing going out and getting the guys. Same time, like they that roster was already just weird, right? Like mm-hmm. you look at it and it was like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like the pieces, and it doesn't mean that like, oh yeah, you know exactly this was not going to work. This was no, you just it just didn't fit. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> Any, I feel like when you say that, I've had this conversation many times with GMs too, and I'm like, I don't believe you. Right? Don't you agree? There's no way you don't look at the Braves and the Phillies and go like, well, we got a ways to go. <laughs> yeah. that, is a, that is a fact. Yeah. But at the same time, like you, that's why they're in the positions that they are, right? That's why they, they control and run teams is because they're able to stay hyper-focused on their team only and make the best decisions for that franchise. That's the part that, like, a hundred percent know that I could never do that job because I can't stay hyper focused on one thing in general. So it's just to do the, your, your organization, never compare yourself or, or, or look at yourself and be like, how do we get to that spot? Like, no, no, no. You, those guys, the good GMs, they, they know their players, their organization, and they, you know, they they find the best out of it. Speaking of the GM, uh, it, it appears as if, as if Mike Rizzo and, and Davey Martinez are both, are, are both uh, going to be back. It seems to me that they have very quietly done a really nice job this year based on understanding expectations were limited. But, you know, as Barker and I, you know, Barker and I said, I mean, they're tough. They, they you know, I'm, I'm looking, right. they've got, what, 12 comeback wins when they've mm-hmm. been losing after the sixth inning since the All-Star break. They don't quit. They seem to be having fun. They take advantage of, of things. It seems as if those two guys have done a, a really nice job here. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to take it in two parts on this, one with Riz and one with, with Davey, because Riz, he, I mean, this guy hates to lose, like literally hates to lose. And so it's been a, it's a tough little, you know, stretch here for the last, what, year and a half, two years uh, that I know it's just killing him. Uh, and at the same time, guys know that too, right? They understand that, like, he doesn't like to lose, and it's not about not playing to lose. It's But finding ways to win now and understanding that – we're not going to be – we do not want to be bottom feeders, right? Well, I, I think that irritates 
Mike Rizzo a lot. You know, when, oh, it's the bottom feeders. It's like, well, that, I, I, I love that part, you know, because your team is going to respond like that. And for the other part in Davey, you talk about a cool customer. It, it, it's – I was with the Phillies for four years doing, you know, the radio. And, you know, I was around – uh, Gabe Kapler and, and Joe Girardi, Rob Thompson uh, was the bench coach at the time, but I'm, I'm around them a lot. So I understood, you know, what, what those guys' makeups were. And I've seen Davey from afar. I knew Davey as a player, knew all that stuff. This guy's the same dude every day, every day, consistent. And he's like, he's, he's not, li- he's not one that like just tries to look for the positive, right? Like, oh, I got to go out of my way to find the positive. He's just like, that's who he is. And when you have a manager that can find the good and also teach, like there was a moment the other day in the uh, Yankees, Yankees game, I don't know if you guys saw, C.J. Abrams didn't run out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Volpe ended up bobbling the ball, got it back, and was able to throw him out. And it's a fast runner, right? It was like a 5-1 down to first. Next at bat, C.J. hit his second homer of the series that put him on top in, in a late ball game. And he kind of stood there at home plate. Like, it was a huge moment. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. But Davey got him right when he was coming down the line. Like, that's just not how we do it around here. That's not how we're going to do it. He does it in a, in a way, in a loving way. Yeah. He's like, that is a huge homer. I love you. But we just can't be showing up the other team, especially when you're not running it. You know, the one before. And so the, the messages that he's been sending throughout the year, there's no panic. There's learning. There's coaching. There's everything that's been, been involved. But at the end of the day, we're going to fight for each other. And that I, I again, like, it's baseball. You, it's an individual sport in a team setting, right? Like you're, the one-on-one battles that you're having. But you could see the at-bats that they're looking at the guy behind him like, I know, I, hey, I, I might not get it done here, but you're going to get it done. And it's kind of it's, – it's fun to watch because it's not a team that has like this – this high-end power, right? Like so you know you're going to have to, you know, single and double some teams to death. And they've done a good job. Uh, before we let you run, I'm – Kiebert Ruiz is an intriguing dude to me for, you know, looking at his offensive numbers, but also looking at his defensive numbers. Uh, you know, Kevin, he's still obviously still learning the game, but is he going to be good enough defensively that he can be you know, the guy you pencil in the lineup every day and, and be your, you know, your kind of the, the guy, the catcher, right? The, the guy that yeah. everything starts with. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, again, there's so much to this game, especially being a switch hitter, right? Like, so there's mm-hmm. a lot on his plate, and it, I think that's been the the narrative all the way around. But at at what point do we have to see the improvement? You know, like I feel like what we've seen from CJ, it, you could you understand. You're like, yeah. yes, there's been constant improvement. But I feel like with with Kbert, there's you know, there's moments that you'll see it um, defensively, right? Offensively, he's been good. Mm-hmm. He's been fine. Uh, it, but defensively, I'm, I, I, I still wonder that, too, because I, I think there's moments, there's, there's spurts where he goes through where it's like, oh, okay, he's starting to get it, and then you know, kind of reverts. I think the, the throwing stuff, uh, I think that's what it is going to be uh, the work in progress. I mean, yeah. it, the arm's okay. You know, I, I like he's it not Gary. He's not Gary Sanchez is what you're telling no, me. There's enough, no. there's enough there defensively that you can, you can build well, on it. Yeah, I mean, again – we there was moments with Gary Sanchez too that you saw improvement. It's just yeah. that year to year basis, and I feel like with Caber, uh, there's been a lot of inconsistencies behind the plate. Uh, so, can I say you know what is he the future of it as the catcher? I mean, they gave him a contract for, it, so I think there's a little bit of he might have to be at times, but at the same time, he's he's got to prove it. 
There's a lot of proof, right? I mean, this is a, not a self uh, a, a team that's already made. You know, like you got to look at this thing and say every day, like that's where that GM part we were talking about, like mm-hmm. I couldn't do, which was being able to go in the moment. Is he our guy now? Yeah. Is he our guy in the future? I don't know. I, I can't sit there and say I, I, I know. Hmm. Kevin, really good of you to join us today, my friend. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Great hair over there. Oh, I see it. Thanks, man. Right. Take care. No problem. All right, boys. <laughs> Kevin France, a Nationals TV analyst, MLB Network Radio analyst. He's talking to you or me? It's talking to you, I think you, he's dog. talking no, to you. Talking yeah, to yeah, yeah, I just came from a run, so yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, I you forgot it. to call me? Dude, it's, it's I mean, a valid it's, question. It's, it's a valid question. It's, you know, it's. It's all natural, man. Yeah, yeah. It's all natural. Just run your hand through it. That's all you get. That's it. It's like Buck Martinez, man. It's all all natural. I think it's Buck and then everybody else. I know. Like I already said, when the wind blows through Buck's hair, it apologizes. Um, A little bit of breaking news here uh, from Jeff Passan of ESPN. And this is uh, pretty timely with uh, Ross Atkins about to join us. This is from Jeff Passan. The Los Angeles Angels have placed... Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, and Randall Grichuk on waivers. Mm. Huge potential playoff implications all can be pl- claimed by teams for free on Thursday. For the Angels, this is passing. For the Angels, this will be a pure salary dump because there are no longer any August trades. All they will get from the transactions is salary re- relief. Teams that claim the players will need only pay their salaries for the rest of the season. Any of those you'd want? Man, Hunter Renfro. No? I mean, I guess the question is where would you play him, but, you know, here, here's... Anywhere. Would you, okay, would you rather have him or anybody else hitting? <laughs> like, that, that, that there, there's... I think that's where you're at, right, is when... You want to place your team with veteran guys. I don't know. I'm just I'd looking say, at it. I'm looking at his year here. You know what? Like, I, I I wonder if he's the Hunter Renfro. That's a great question. 18 homers, 52 stakes, 239, 725 OPS. You'd rather have him DH or Kirky today against the lefty? I'd rather Hunter Renfro DHing. Yeah, especially given that I'm at least temporarily without Chapman and Bishop. I don't. I don't know. I mean. But boy, I mean, do you want to talk about a you know, Perry Manassian? You want to talk about moves that, I, in some ways, it's ballsy to make those moves and then pull a shoot in the season, which is what you're doing. Uh, uh, I think that happened when Otani got hurt. Well, I think it did. Entrout, oh, yeah. Trout getting hurt as well. I, I mean, they're used to that, but the Otani thing really but, hurt. But man, what does that say to Shohei Otani? What does that say to Shohei Otani? That we did everything we could do to try and make a run at it by keeping you. Do us a solid. Give us a chance to re-sign you. That's ex- that's what they're. That's why they're doing all this. Is they want him back? I'm sure they're making so much money off the field with him that yeah, I, it's worth it. Hunter Renfro, 31 bombs for the Red Sox in 2021, 29 for Milwaukee in 2022. He's got 18 right now. Dude's averaged over eight years. He's averaged 34 home runs a year. No, well that's what it says here. That can't be right. It's 162-game 100, average. He does have power. He's a threat. Kirk's not. So that it's a – I mean, mean – you'd, you'd, you'd have to kick the tires on that. 
I would think you would. Well, make your team better. Um, I don't know if we'll, I, I, I wouldn't expect Ross Atkins to come out and say, yeah, we're going to look at these guys, but I don't know. Maybe he will. Ross Atkins is executive vice president and general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet, Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 590, the fan. In-depth Blue Jays coverage with an analytical twist. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, 707 will be the first pitch tonight at the Rogers Center as uh, the Blue Jays take on Mackenzie Gore and the mm. Washington Nationals. It will be Jose Barrios on the mound for the Blue Jays. A reminder, tomorrow's game is a 307 first pitch. Uh, it'll be Patrick Corbin against Chris Bassett. So 307 will be on following the game tomorrow with, uh, I guess, an extended version of Blue Jays talk or Blair and Barker, Blue Jays talk, whatever we're going to, whatever we are uh, whatever we're going to call it. Mark DeRosa, MLB Network analyst, joins us at 6 o'clock today. Um, Well, this quite often happens. Uh, Ross Atkins, executive VP and general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, joins us on Blair and Barker. Ross, uh, thank you so so much for joining us. I did not have this planned, and I'm sure Jeff Passan didn't. Well, you never know with Passan, but just before you uh, were scheduled to come on, Passan tweeted out that the uh, Angels have uh, put uh, uh, Hunter Renfro, Rand- Randall Grichuk, Lu- Louis- uh, Lucas Giolito, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, and somebody else I'm forgetting on 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 waivers. Mm-hmm. Um, just housekeeping here, because uh, I do have to, you know, Hunter Renfro is a guy that some people might think would, would, would fit into this team, uh, if not just now, but down the road. Yep. Would you guys have any interest in adding guys off waivers right now? Yeah, hey, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me on, uh, both of you, Jeff and Kevin. Good to be here with you. And, you know, on that front, we will obviously be doing the work. Anything we can do to make our team better, we want to do. Uh, I think, you know, collectively, that's a good group of players that will uh, make sure we are prepared to make the right recommendations to ownership. And any, like I said, any way we can make our major league team better, we're always working to do so. Uh, and uh, another housekeeping item, uh, Bo Bichette, we know he went on the 10-day IL today with a with a quad injury. I think John Schneider said it was mild. What What is your sense on on what the timeline might be for Bo? Yeah, similar to how, how John had uh, mes- messaged it in the, in the scrum earlier, is that as he was coming back, felt an aggravation there, and it slowly increased. And we just want to make sure that we get it completely out of there as we're very hopeful to be playing longer than the regular season. And the, and the impact of that uh, not wanting to be something that lingers. So hopefully it is something that is only the 10-day period, but we will be uh, you know, very cautious in ensuring that when he does come back, he's 100%. Mason McCoy uh, has been selected to the major league roster. Yeah, he's going to be active for tonight's game. With with injuries to Matt Chapman and Debo, is there any thought? Was there any thought, or will there be any thought to possibly bringing up Arelvis Martinez or Addison Barge or you know or Spencer Horowitz even you know given the injury issues? I mean, other teams we've seen other teams this year bring their guys up from Double A AA and Triple A, and I'm just wondering if if that's something you guys might be thinking of if 
you know, if Chappie's out for for a while or and if Bo can't come back within 10 days. Yeah, absolutely. All of those guys, have, there's been so many good stories in AAA this year. Uh, Nathan Lucas obviously has been incredible for us in AAA and has had an impact here in the major leagues. Lantigua has had an incredible year. A lot of good, off, a good offensive stories in AAA, and uh, a couple of them are here already, and Ernie and Davis, and have had uh, great contributions already to date. So, Arelvis uh, certainly has gotten a lot of discussion already. Addison as well. They are very good players that deserve that consideration. Ross, I've never asked you this about the schedule and and do front offices look down the road to sort of notice, you know, because of the way your team may be hitting or pitching or fielding. You know, there's a little soft part of the schedule, and I think the Blue Jays are starting to be in that. Do front offices, you've been around for a very long time, do you guys ever sit around and go, oh, look, five games from now, we're playing this team, this team, this team in a row. Maybe we can get hot and start doing the things that we want to do. Uh, you, I mean, you try not to get ahead of yourself and uh, focus on the, the game that day, the series uh, that you're playing. And obviously there's work to do ahead for each series, but not well beyond that. And there's not much we can do. It, it's interesting to look at our schedule as it's played out. Uh, if you look at the records against the teams that we've played today, we've had the hardest schedule in baseball. And that is not the case moving forward. It is uh, much more forgiving mm-hmm. moving forward. So we're, we're well aware of that. Uh, at the same time, it really doesn't matter. You know, we, we have to do everything we can to win tonight and win each game as we look ahead and be in a good position for that final series of the year. You know, in, in uh, the past couple of weeks or so, I mean, we've heard from people like John Schneider, we, Kevin Gossman's touched on it and some others about uh, the Jays lacking a consistent approach at the plate. And I'm, I'm wondering, Ross, you know, I look at this team, uh, it's got a young core, but they've been around. They've, it's not like they're all in their, their first or second year by any stretch of the imagination. What would explain that, that lack of consistency? Is it, you know, is it bad information, bad data, poor communication? or Because it's, I, I don't think any of us expected to see this team have the offensive issues it's had this year. Yeah, well, I say first of all, the our offense has actually been okay. We haven't been the, you know, third or fourth best offense in baseball that we were a year ago. I think right now in uh, WRC plus we're around seven or eight in baseball, which is not a bad place to be, especially considering that we're one of the best defensive teams in baseball. And the run prevention side, we've been exceptional this year since the all-star break or even really just the second half, uh, you could make a case that we've been one of the best or the best defensive team in baseball. So the same guys that are helping us score, the same guys that are helping us prevent runs. And there's always that balance. And like I said, we're still a very good offensive team. You look up and down the lineup and on any given night, you could have nine above average major league performers, not just, above average hitters, but guys that are performing above average. If you, if you include Davis Snyder in that mix, obviously that includes Bo and, and Chappie. Uh, so there are very good players that are having solid years. And one of the things that's been interesting that gets a lot of focus is that we haven't scored as many runs. Uh, some of that is runners in scoring position, which also gets a lot of focus in order to struggle with runners in scoring position. You have to have a lot of guys on base, which we have had. We are doing a very good job of getting hits and very good job of getting on base. 
the ball's not going over the fence quite as much and we're not doing as well as, you know, anyone would like. Obviously, sure, it's frustrating when guys get left on second, third, or just on second, but they're getting there. And we have felt all year that is going to turn as it relates to approach and our players plan on any given night. Even when you drill down on that, it looks very similar to the individuals and the team in years past and controlling what they can control, what they're swinging at, when they're swinging at, uh, at certain pitches, all looks very consistent with years in the past. And, and we're still driving the ball. Our, our, you know, our exit velos are there. The swing, <clears throat> everything we can see from swing speed is there. Uh, you know, it, it does, you know, obviously I'm not running from the fact that we're not scoring as much and we do spend a ton of time on that. And we do challenge ourselves on what is the most effective message? What is the most effective communication? And we have to be adjustable and we have to be agile there. Looking back, do you, do you wish you had focused more on, on landing an impactful middle of the order mm-hmm. bat, both in the off season and, and look the trade deadline, if nobody's available, nobody's available. Yeah. But I'm thinking even at, at, at the start of the year, do you looking back now think that maybe maybe you overestimated some guys and maybe you needed to to add that impactful bat? Well, I think Brandon Belt's been that. Kevin Kiermeyer has been an above average major league offensive player as well as an elite defender. So uh, no, that's not something that I've retroactively looked at. I, it's hard to you know, look at a roster construction that has George Springer and Vladdy and Bo and Dalton Varsho and Jano, Kirky, um, obviously Bo Witt. I mean, I, I can keep going. Brandon Bell, I'm, I'm Matt Chapman. It's hard to look at a roster with that, uh, the depth of Kevin Vigio, Espinal, and think, okay, we need to add to that component because in order to do it, you have to subtract. So, we feel good about this team. We still feel very good about the way it's constructed and built. Not to say that, you know, I'm resting on we're fine and everything will just work itself out. Uh, but the team that is in place is a good one. And the individuals we feel very good about, we feel good about their work and we feel good about the, in many ways, the results that they can control we feel good about. It's the results oftentimes that they can't control as much that haven't gone our way. Having said that, we have to do everything in our power to reverse that momentum and make sure that we are scoring enough to win. Uh, Vladdy's been really good lately. Uh, obviously, he's, you know, he can hit the ball harder than most humans can hit it. It's like last night, right? It was, it's okay to go one for four if you're driving in two runs, but it's the sort of the three non-competitive bats that you consistently see, at least I do, and I think fans that watch Vladdy and are rooting for Vladdy and want him to be the Vladdy that we saw a couple of years ago. Ross, is there something that you're seeing that consistently maybe, not this year, because, you know, the heat of the moment, it's very hard to walk up to a guy and maybe say, don't do this mechanically or stop swinging at that. It's hard, right? It's, I mean, he's still a kid. I hate to say that, but he is, he's, he's learning on the fly here, trying to be the man. And I I just wonder as an organization, is there one thing, one, one certain mechanical thing that you think if he just tweaked, maybe that we would consistently see that Vladdy, that three for four sort of every, I don't want to say every night that's impossible, but you, you sort of get the point here. Is there one thing you, you could see? That would make it better. Yeah, it, it's so it's so interesting with Vladdy. If you think about where he is in his career, what he's already accomplished, how good he's been, even just how good he is right now. 
our expectations are set at such an astronomical yeah. level, and he is still performing at an above major league average level. I feel I think the whole team, I think the whole league feels that that you know if if they're the opposing team, they don't want to see him coming to the plate, and we can't wait to see him come up every night because of the bat speed, because of his swing decisions too. Like some of the things I was talking about, if you look at his strikeouts and walks and just how often he's putting the ball in play. And so oftentimes in the game, balls are hit hard at guys, and he does have a tendency to put the ball um, you know, on the ground some, which I think becomes magnified when you have so many guys on base and they're you know, able to turn it into an out at second and sometimes a double play. But the things that he can control are all so consistent and so sound. And we, I, I just remain so impressed by what he's been able to handle thus far and how he answers the bell every day and just how hard he comes to work every single day. He never gets down on himself. And there's no one that wants it more than any human being on the planet than for him to be the hero on, a, on any given night. And the way he's handled that thus far has been remarkable. And so one thing mechanically, no, it's, you know, he's such a rhythm hitter, Kevin, as yeah. you know, like that is, and his rhythm, it, it's such a hard thing to nitpick, but you know, you will see from time to time that the, the rhythm isn't quite as in sync, but there's nothing that you can say, you know, this is the reason for that or the reason that's happening. He, he doesn't uh, really like it, it. He has a very aggressive swing, but it's not like he gets really big or really long. It's really consistent. So I, he's going to be a great player. He's going to be a great player for a long time. I hope that he's a great player for the next two months. He already has been a very solid one for us this year. Yeah. Is there any concern that maybe there are too many voices in Vladdy's head talking to him about hitting? You know, we saw Wilton up here earlier this year. I know Victor and Eddie have been around. Um, you've got hitting coaches, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's an old baseball thing. Like, for God's sake, just simplify it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I Sounds mean, no, no, honestly, there's a baseball thing. Oh, yeah. Just simplify it. Go up and hit the fastball. Is there something to be said yeah. for that, Ross? Well, I, yeah, that's such a long discussion, right? There's so many layers to that. So if you're just talking about the first aspect of it, of too many voices, you know, Vladdy's had that his whole life. His entire life, he has had people telling him how special he is, how talented he is, and then opinions and ideas on things he could do to be even better or when things aren't going to the astronomically high level that people expect of him. And I don't think that's any higher right now. I think it's just magnified and talked about when, um, you know, when we're not scoring as many runs and he's in the middle of our lineup. But uh, that that is not something that we're concerned about. And then, you know, taking maybe a, a step further into that discussion and thinking about influences like Edwin Encarnacion, Victor Martinez, even Wilton, his dad, they all experienced that. They all experienced people coming to them. You know, every player experiences that. Does he experience at a, a higher level? Sure, because so many people just love to watch him play and and I not not identify with, but just really appreciate how uh, you know fun it is and how special it is to watch him hit and what just you know uh, excitement he brings to the game. So yes, he does get more to it, more of that. But the guys that are talking to him have also experienced it on some level and understand how to navigate those conversations. And then on the aspect of keeping things simple and you know just 
just hit the fastball, however you alluded to it. Yeah, absolutely. That's what everyone is trying to do all the time. And one of the ways that you do that is distilling information and making it simple in your messaging. And we work very hard to ensure that's happening, to make sure that we are consistent. But Vladdy is elite that way. He is elite at distilling it. He's very smart and he's very disciplined and he keeps, he keeps his, his approach and plan. As I say simple, it only gets simple if you do the work mm. and he does the work. Ross, one of the things you guys have done extremely well in recent years, I mean, it's been a putting bullpens together, fixing bullpens on the fly. You know, look, I know it's not been a great year for Adam Simber, but I don't think you guys make the playoffs without Adam Simber nope. last year. I, I think that's pretty clear. We've heard people talk about a Rays formula or an Orioles formula for putting bullpens together. Do you guys have a specific approach in terms of focusing on pitchers with a specific characteristic and then sort of maximizing that and, and hoping that the, you know, the, 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 the total of everything put together might be better than the individual parts? Well, I love talking about uh, relief pitchers and, and the bullpen because I have so much. Look, I, I, every year I'm in this role and in this job and in this game, I feel so fortunate. But every day and every week and every year, I am more and more in awe of Major League Baseball players and just what special professionals, like how hard they have to work, uh, how, how adaptable and adjustable, how tough they have to be the level of perseverance and relief pitchers. It's such an interesting demographic because how they're compensated, how they're used, how they're deployed based on their performance, how hot and cold streaks can impact them and how that magnifies the importance of consistency. So for us, one of the strongest levers in making a decision and acquisition on a reliever is dependability and reliability guys that are really consistent with their routines and have uh, a pure focus and a joy for their their routine and their process to get ready every day we make sure that we do the work on that front because we feel like it really pays off in the end uh, there's there's stuff everywhere right? right and there's stuff that turns into swing and miss sometimes with one click but it can go away with one click if they, it, it's remarkable. I wish fans could have a lens into Jordan Romano and Timmy Mays' routine on a daily basis, which never wavers. And it doesn't end until an hour after the game. And those are the things that we're really looking for as we look to, to complement this pen. And we're uh, cognizant of that and want to make sure that they're coming into that environment, welcomed into it and respected as they come into it because they have those routines and that work ethic. Ross, last question before we let you run. Look, um, I mean, the bar was set high for this team. Uh, if it fails to make the playoffs, you know, can can there can we expect changes? And I'll ask you, frankly, how worried about you are you about your job if if this team misses the postseason? Yeah, we. I mean, listen, we're always trying to get better, regardless. Even if we win the World Series, we're going to be thinking about how we can make improvements. So. That's just how we operate and how we exist. And similarly on my job and, uh, you know, my, you know, if I'm worried about my job, then I'm, I'm not doing my job. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we ask our players to, to come in and control what they can control and focus on what they can focus on to, to be the best either contributing player or everyday player 
And it's the same way I go about my job every day is what can I do to help improve this organization and team and how are we going to win tonight? Ross, listen, we appreciate your time and your candor. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Good luck. Okay. All right, Jeff. See you, Kevin. Thank Take you, care. Guys. Yes, Ross, That's Ross Atkins, Executive Vice President and General Manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. I mean, it's the Hunter Renfro thing. I'm just throwing that out there uh, for those of you who missed Jeff Passan reporting. Yeah, he's a threat. Right now, they don't have that. Like, there, there, there's some guys you could argue in the lineup tonight who should not be in the lineup tonight. Well, I'll tell you what. And, and I mean, looking ahead to next year even. And we, look, we talked about Hunter Renfro this year at the trade deadline. Yeah. Looking ahead to next year even. I know I think he's like a negative war player this year. But um, got 18 homers. It's a threat. What do they not do? Especially at home, they don't hit homers. Like you, you, you need. He's a veteran guy. He's been there and done it before. Like he's had success late in seasons before. Yeah. The bright lights are not going to bother him. He can come to a team and hit the ground running. I would make a ton of sense. Now, will they do that? I, it's, I, I think it's intriguing that he, Ross actually said, "Yeah, we're going to do whatever it takes well, to, I think to make the team better." Listen, I, I, I've, I've said this all along. I mean, you don't, you don't have the payroll this team has, and then and not try to make it better. Yeah, you know, or or don't don't try to address something that can make your team better. Yeah, um, those days are gone. Yeah, you know, and I, and sometimes I think fans don't. You know, if I say this, then people are going to say, "Well, you're just being a shill for your company." I'm saying I I'm not because I covered this team in days where at, at times where they wouldn't do that. Where mm-hmm. you had to have money, you, you had to have money going out to to bring guys in. I not that long ago that was the deal, and. You're not seeing that with this with this organization anymore. If they can get somebody in who can help them, you know, they'll get somebody in that can help them. I I find that whole Angels situation fascinating. Uh, Mark DeRosa is MLB network analyst. He was, of course, also manager of Team USA at the World Baseball Classic. Um, perfect guy to have on. I'm sure a lot of folks around baseball will be talking about this decision by the LA Angels. Mark DeRosa joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet. And I forgot one. Oh, yeah, the Sportsnet Radio Network. <laughs> 